This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Please welcome Tom Bilyeu. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you very much. That Thank was you. incredibly kind. Um, we've got some slides. Okay, so Quest is really interesting in this context, and hearing Jeff talk about the collision of the old and new, it really makes me think about what we've done, what we were trying to do, and what we were trying to mean, because at the end of the day, the reason that we've had this kind of astronomical growth is because of that concept of co collision. So you take the incredibly old, I can't think of anything that's older, human psychology of what we love, what we like, what we respond to, what motivates us, what our drivers are at a neurobiological level, and then you combine it with modern technology and you can get something incredibly fast growing. But to really understand the story of Quest, you have to understand where we came from. So my partners and I, Entrepreneurs, we had another company before this. It was a technology company. That company back in 2010 was named as the 42nd fastest growing technology company in North America. We were making money, we were winning awards, we were standing in this beautiful conference room overlooking the Pacific Ocean. And I turned to my partners and I said, I'm completely miserable. There's gotta be a better way. And we were living that cliche of money can't buy happiness, which is incredibly ironic because we're three guys that really understand the power of money. Money is the great facilitator. Money allows things to happen. And if you've got a dream, if you've got some grand ambition, at some point, you're gonna have to collide with money. You're gonna have to collide with those resources in order to pull that off. And if you look at what Bill Gates is doing with the Gates Foundation, I think they're gonna cure malaria and they're gonna do it because they have access to resources. But at the end of the day, there's this other thing that humans have, which is passion, which is a desire for impact, which is to find meaning in their life. And that was the one thing that was really missing from us. So in many ways, Quest Nutrition is a reaction to our previous company, which was very much, we actually used to joke, this makes me a little uneasy now, but we used to joke that it was a child born to be sold into slavery. And the reason we said that was, it was like any other company. We were just gonna build it up to a certain level of revenue and then we were gonna sell it off and move on to the next thing. And we thought it would take us a couple of years and then that turned into eight and a half years. And somewhere along that time, we really realized that focusing on money wasn't giving us that sense of fulfillment. We weren't tapping into our love or our passion. So we asked ourselves a very simple and fundamental question. What would we do every day and love it even if we were failing? And that question changed everything for us. Because once we started asking ourselves what really motivated us, it turned us inward. Now, we founded the company for three very different reasons, but I'll tell you why 
I wanted to be involved. I come from a morbidly obese family. Growing up, I had an uncle eat himself to death when I was 12 years old. It was very scary and very weird, and it left a lasting impact on me of watching someone that I loved and cared about so much have such an abusive relationship with food. I used to be 60 pounds heavier. My mom and sister had been morbidly obese my entire life, and I wanted to help because I really believe that commerce, that business, that the entrepreneurial mindset and strategies that we all use to build our businesses is so fundamentally tied to human psychology and motivation that if we could acknowledge that people eat for pleasure way more than they eat for sustenance, that we could build a different kind of company, that we could leverage this new world that we were living in of social media to tell people why we were building our company. Instead of focusing on what we were doing, and that's one of the things people talk a lot about with Quest is, hey, they're a protein bar company, but we wanted to be more than that. We wanted to transcend that. We wanted to give people something that they could have a relationship with, not just the product, but that they could have a relationship with the company. And if you guys know Simon Sinek, in fact, who knows Simon Sinek? All right, if you don't know him, you're in for a treat. He wrote a book called Start With Why. It's an incredibly powerful book about finding the thing that motivates you. So for me, I was waking up every day not thinking about money. I was waking up every day thinking about my mom and my sister. And there's an amazing Mother Teresa quote. Mother Teresa says, no one, this is Mother Teresa, no one will act for the many, but people will act for the one. Thinking about my mom and my sister made it super tangible. And I knew that this was a pandemic. I know that it's a global problem. And there are maybe upwards of a, a billion people that are struggling with some form of metabolic disease, whether it's the obvious ones like obesity or diabetes or some of the less obvious ones like Alzheimer's, potentially cancer. They're now calling Alzheimer's disease diabetes type three. So when you look at the massive impact, you would think that would be enough to get you motivated, but in truth, it's gonna be something way more personal. And for me, it was my family and wanting to help them. And so that's where everything began. But we wanted, we were tech guys. And we had lost sight of the humanity in technology. We had lost sight of technology's ability to allow us to connect with people. And that's what we wanted to refine. And we knew, this was back in 2009 when we first started thinking about the company, that social media was coming on board. Everybody thought it was a big distraction. But we thought, really, what social media is is a megaphone. It's nothing more than that. It gives you a chance to connect. It gives you a chance to reach somebody who then can have a global audience to talk about that interaction with you within minutes of encountering you. And we thought, if we could remember one simple thing, that it's about authentic connection, that our goal, because at the time, Quest didn't exist, it was nothing. We couldn't even give away the protein bars. And if you guys know our company, that's kind of funny now with the growth that we've had. And people will now stand online for an hour at our trade shows, for an hour to get a free bar. We couldn't give them away. So in the beginning, we said, this isn't about money. We already know what that looks like. We know what it looks like to chase money. What we want to do is connect. We want to bring value. We want to create value. And in fact, that has to be the lead of everything that we do from a company standpoint, whether it's marketing, whether it's customer service, whether it's product design, all of it has to be designed to bring value. So that meant even if we had the option between something that was more profitable and something that delivered more value, we chose the thing that delivered more value. Why? Because value is the only thing that's sustainable. Value is the only thing that lasts. 
And value is the only thing that people will pay for forever. So we wanted to authentically connect with people and we wanted to recognize that there's a new generation, millennials, they have been oft maligned. But there's one immutable truth about millennials and I think it'll ring true with you guys because I'm sure you feel it yourselves. They wanna add impact. They wanna mean something, they wanna matter. They want to know that they wake up every day and they're contributing to a company that's trying to do something or they're bringing value somehow in their life to even if it's one person. And how many times have you said that to yourself or heard somebody else say it? Even if I just help one person, it'll all be worth it. But what I love about this image, this is the mythology of a billionaire. He has all the money in the world. He's famous. He's rich. He's wildly intelligent. And what does he do with all that? He suits up in a suit of armor and he goes and fights against injustice and crime and tries to help people. Because that's that old that sits at the center of all of us, that desire to help the tribe, that desire to have meaning and impact, to do something great for others. And when you look at the human species, we're the only animal that can act in a cooperative as large as we do. And the way that nature has rewarded that is by giving us this massive rush of neurochemistry that makes us feel really good about doing really simple, beautiful things for other people. It doesn't need to be big. It can be as small as a protein bar. It can be taking that protein bar and turning it into an ingredient and then sharing that recipe and sharing it all for free, by the way. And that's what we wanted to be the driver of our marketing. We wanted to understand that we wanted to connect. This is a new age for companies where you're dropping the veneer. You're stepping out front. Why do I go out and speak? Why do I have a social channel? I'm a total introvert and I know none of you are gonna believe that, but that's actually true. I'm completely introverted. If you left me alone, I would still be sitting at home in my bedroom right now. But at the end of the day, to be able to give something to people, to be able to impact them is such a call something that people hunger for, but you have to drop that veneer. And this is what social media, this is what that new modern technology is allowing us to do, to have a direct relationship with our customers, to show them how as a company, we're trying to have impact, to show them how by eating our product, and this was big for us, we wanted to transcend our products, to show them what it meant to eat a Quest Bar. And when you think about Apple and the success that they've had, it's because people feel a certain way about that logo, right? They feel a certain way about what does it mean to have that computer or that iPhone. It meant that you were one of the rebels, you were one of the crazy ones, you were an artist. You dared to dream. That's what it meant to have an Apple. It didn't have anything to do with the products, it had everything to do with the ethos of the brand. But how do you get that out in today's highly connected environment? You drop the veneer, you let people in, you let them see what you're doing and you be very, very real. But I know you guys have a business to build and I know you want very actionable things. Jeff was very specific about making sure that I gave you things that you could actually go and implement. This right here is the most important thing that I'm gonna tell you about today and it is the pyramid of influence. This is gonna be the thing that you're gonna supercharge your business with. This pyramid is how we grew our business 57,000% in our first three years alone. At the top of the pyramid are thought leaders. Thought leaders are the people that most people don't understand. But influencers pay attention to them. So think about a scientist. A scientist sits at the top of that. In fact, if any of you guys have R&D departments, I'm sure there's some food scientists that you guys have on staff that not everybody really understands. 
but you know enough to put that person in position and listen to what they say. Because while you may not understand the cellular biology, they do. And that brings us to the influencers. The influencers are the people that digest what the thought leaders say and they turn it into something that's accessible. So think about the famous scientists. Think about someone like Bill Nye, the science guy. It's actually wicked smart, but he knows how to popularize science. He knows how to make it accessible. And making things accessible at the end of the day is what influencers do. Now, we're gonna come back to these influencers. They are incredibly important. They're going to be your silver bullet in terms of getting your message out there, amplifying the ethos of your company, which should be very real and needs to be entirely focused on adding value. But once you have all of that in place, once you have killer products, now you have to get them out into the world. And the way that you're going to do that is through the influencers. Now, below the influencers are the masses. The masses listen to the influencers. Now, when you think about influencers, you want to think about reaching your thousand screaming fans. You've all read the book, I hope, The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss, which changed my life. Certainly made me stop reading email, much to the chagrin of many people in my life. But in that, Tim Ferriss talks about finding the thousand screaming fans that will buy anything your brand puts out. Now, in that, there's obviously a tacit agreement that you're only going to put out things that are worth them buying. Otherwise, it stops being sustainable. Remember, the only thing, the only thing that's sustainable is value creation. But if everything that you put out actually delivers value, then this becomes an incredibly powerful way to amplify that, because you have a 1,000 people who are going to go out and tell the rest of the world. Now, obviously, we're trying to get beyond a 1,000, but if you focus on that in the beginning, you'll crush it later down the road. Now, when people think about reaching their 1,000 screaming fans, finding them, they think about these people, the famous among us, Dave Barham. I know you're thinking about famous people, and they are really effective. If you get any one of the people in this photo to go tout your product, it will sell more units but they will be incredibly expensive. In fact, they may even ask for a piece of your company just to do it. But the people I would say you should be thinking about are these people. Now, I'm going to guess none of you know who any of these people are, but they're the ones that people are listening to on an accessible level. They're the ones that you could get to talk about your product for free. And to give you an idea, does anybody know who this is? Wow. All right, this is Jenna Marbles. Jenna Marbles reaches 20 million people a day, and you don't know who she is. There is an army of people. By the way, this is her with her wax sculpture at Madame Tussauds. Okay, that's how big this woman is. She is absolutely massive. She is a YouTube celebrity at the highest level. She reaches 20 million people daily, and we sent her product, and she posted it all over her social channels just because we sent her product. Now, we always try to go above and beyond, so we also happen to knit some sweaters for her dogs with our brand on it, which she happens to be a fiend for her dogs, so we knew that that was probably a potential way to get her to really listen, but that was all stuff that we did for free. So understanding who reaches your audience, because you have to remember, if you aren't representative of your audience, then you need to find the people that are, and you need to identify those personas. Have you guys all played the persona game in your company? Who are we actually marketing to? At Quest, one of our primary personas is a millennial female. I am neither millennial nor female. So we had to really grow to understand where the millennial female 
is online, how I can reach her, who she respects, who she listens to. But when it comes to platforms that will help you run a business, there is no shortage of options on the market. But if you want to use the best, most advanced, and most efficient platform out there, you need to be using Shopify. For whatever and wherever you want to sell, from launching to going international, Shopify is the global commerce platform that will help you grow at every stage of your business. With award-winning customer service, the internet's highest converting checkout page, and a suite of integrated AI tools, Shopify is your all-in-one platform to quickly and efficiently take your business to the next level. I love everything about Shopify because it makes it so easy to start, run, and grow a business. Shopify powers more than 10% of all U.S. e-commerce because businesses that want to grow quickly use Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash impact, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash impact right now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash impact. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you wanna have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you identify those people, then you're able to transcend marketing and get into building a community. And at the end of the day, that's one of the most important things you should be thinking about as a marketer.
Stop trying to market, right? Super counterintuitive. We're actually gonna, I know that this is a follow-up question that Jeff has for me, and I'm excited to go into it in detail. But don't market, build a community. Now, I know a lot of people are scared by social media. I was one of them. I used to be so paranoid about Facebook. I, I still, to this day, have a false birthday on my Facebook page, I get happy birthday wishes every year, January 1st, without fail, because that's what my Facebook account says my birthday is, because I was convinced someone was going to steal my identity if I put my real birthday on my Facebook page. But if you want to build this community, then you have to put yourself out there. You have to have outreach. And if it's not gonna be you, if that's totally inauthentic for you, if you absolutely hate social media, fair enough. But find somebody in your company that loves it, that'll be good at it. People that grew up with social media, they don't have the fears and the insecurities that a lot of uh, us may have. So find people in your company that can speak incredibly authentically to the community that you're trying to build and then deliver value like your life depended on it. Now to, to build this community, you're gonna need to identify those influencers that speak to your crowd. You're gonna need to find out where they hang out online because that's gonna be how you go and get their attention. So in the beginning, we were writing letters to the influencers that we thought really would understand our product that we wanted to talk about our product, and we would write these highly customized letters that showed them, we know who you are. We know what your value is. This is not, hey, I was scanning Instagram and I saw that you have 100,000 followers and so I thought I would write to you. It's I get the value proposition that you make to your followers. And I believe that our product can help you, and that's incredibly, incredibly important. You have to identify what's valuable to the influencer and once you identify what's valuable to the influencer, you can give it to them. Dog sweaters for Jenna Marbles, apparently, big value. The product that we sent her, she's very fitness conscious, that delivered value. Liking, sharing somebody's stuff, especially when you find somebody who's just beginning to build their community. You can deliver a ton of value just by supporting them, commenting intelligently, asking nice questions, sharing what they put. All of that stuff goes a long way. And a big thing, especially in our space, people just want to say that they're sponsored by you, even though the sponsorship is entirely product and nothing else. So, but finding out what's valuable to them, credibility, we got to a point early in our career where it actually meant something to a bodybuilder or a physique athlete to say, Quest sponsors me. Now, what did sponsorship look like? It was two boxes of bars a month, right? For 24 bars, we were able to make that person feel supported. We were able to get them excited to make them feel something warm about our brand and to give them credibility to their fans. It doesn't always take a lot. It's just about identifying those people and delivering value. And then I'll encourage you guys to go above and beyond. Really invest in these people emotionally, personally. Find out what they're up to. Um, we just had um, a woman, anybody know Grace Bonnie Design Sponge? She's an incredible human being. I encourage you guys to look at her. She just wrote a book called In the Company of Women. It was a very powerful book. Uh, we do a show called Inside Quest. She was a guest on that show. And just to thank her for being an incredible human being, being supportive of the brand, when she did a book signing and it came through LA, we took like eight or nine people to the book signing to, to just show love and thank her. So actually getting to know people, knowing what's important, knowing what they're trying to do in their life will go a very long way. And again, talking about that collision of old and new, I'm telling you stuff you understand. You already know this. I mean, this is how you build relationships in your real life with your friends. This is so fundamental to the human condition. That's how you know it's going to work.
All right, it's important to recognize that social media is not the web. The web is very passive. People go consume content passively, somewhat invisibly. Social media is connectivity, authentic relationships. It's a give and take. It's back and forth. It's real-time, raw feedback. You will definitely get haters, I promise you. But listen, because they usually carry the most actionable items. They'll tell you what's wrong with your product, your service, whatever. You just have to be willing to listen unguarded. All right, the power of social. It's largely free, and in the beginning, if you guys are just getting your feet under you with social media, you don't have to pay for a lot of this stuff. A lot of these people are trying to build their following, and so if you reach out to them at that very opportune moment, they'll push and promote you as they develop their channel. It's real-time connection. The transparency is up to you guys. You have to really be transparent, communicate, admit to the things that you mess up. That's really, really important. Leverage the raw feedback. Make sure your community knows that you're listening and understand that the different platforms have different personalities in and of themselves. So you're not gonna act the same way on Twitter that you would on Snapchat, right? Snapchat is uber young, it's fun and silly, and you can put funny little pictures and drawings and all that stuff, and that's gonna be very different than something you do on LinkedIn. So you need to make sure that you treat them very differently. All right, this is critical. What if I told you that your customers hate your content? Your content has to be value add. If your content is designed to sell the product, stop immediately. If the content is designed to somehow push the community forward, like our recipes, customers started sending us recipes of ways that they were using our bars to create other things. And so we instituted a policy that we called mirror marketing. We wanted to mirror the customer back. We wanted to show them recipes to the extreme. We wanted to feature their own recipes so that they saw themselves, literally their own post, echoed back with all the credit in the world, encouraging the community to do things with each other so that it could become this snowball effect of value. And that brings us to the last thing. For all of this to work, for social media to take off, you have to deliver real and lasting value. That has to be the one thing that sits at the very core of your company. If you're going to leverage commerce, leverage technology, you also have to leverage the human condition. You have to leverage people's desire to connect with you, with your brand, with your product. You have to mean something, and you have to show people what it means to use your product. Thank you, guys. Seven seconds to spare. Come on That's now. A, that is amazing. Great talk. Thank you. It's great to have you here. It's great to be here. Great to have you name check Dave Barham. Um, the bar space is super competitive. Um, and I think I, I want to predict that you're the answer to the question yeah, before please. I even asked it. How do you create a way to stand out there? Now, I'm going to say that your answer is you have it on their mind before they go in the store through reaching them as a community. And I hope you wouldn't let me get away with that answer. So that'd be a terrible answer for these guys. Um, that's the truth. And now, so this is um, to eat my own dog food. This is the transparency. I actually think that we have been historically weak 
on standing out on the shelf. And that's something that we're focusing on now, updating our packaging. We looked great on a website. And if you looked at our packaging, it was detailed, it was beautiful. It was unlike literally in our space, which was the health and fitness space. It, it did not look like anything else um, in that space. Everyone was doing black and red. It was what we call veins and chains marketing. It was literally burly guys with veins popping out, actually wearing chains, which I cannot believe, but it is all true. Um, and that was everyone's marketing. And then we came in in 2010 and said, we want to do what's now lovingly referred to as food porn. Uh, we want to make food look delicious. And so, because I knew that if you tell my mom to eat less and exercise more, it's never going to work. You have to say, hey, stop sacrificing. So that was actually our first marketing message. So we did great. We looked great on the web. We went into stores where people were used to being in stores, and we were not because we grew up on the web. Um, and we got lost. And so that's... Uh, Dave and the geniuses at VMG are helping us revamp all of that to really pop on shelf. Yeah, so you look very homey on something like Europa, but you look much more uh, fitness-focused in a grocery store. Well, we want, actually now, um, we want to look more fitness-focused in grocery. We want those cues. Um, but the truth is, if you want to stand out on shelf, do yourself a favor, build a shelf in your office, put all your competitors like exactly where you're going to be on the shelf. Step back 15 feet and look at it. If you don't find you instantly, you've got a problem, right? There's things that you can do in the packaging, block colors, um, things that are consistent. So for us, we had overemphasized every flavor having its own identity, but then on shelf, the brand didn't have an identity. So it became very hard to find us. Yep. So you know, very simple things like brand blocking, stuff like that, which um, is super, super powerful. So, and then working with retailers to come up with programs. I so wish as a brand that has fought price erosion with everything that we have and people, because we came into protein bars, it was a commoditized space. People wanted to make us a commodity. We were a premium product. For us to hold that, um, has just been tooth and nail. But the truth is there are just things that the retailers expect you to do. And there's some percentage of that you're going to have to do in order to maintain your relationship with the retailers. That's so, you know, coming back to that sort of human connection psychology that applies to the retailers as much as to the end consumer. But having that good online presence helps sort of buffer against the kinds of discounts you have to offer. No question. And we wanted, we wanted to create pull-through demand, right? So I didn't want to go into a store unless I knew people were already walking into that store and saying, why don't you carry Quest? And that was for sure, for sure our driver. And if you're not already doing that, building a community online to create that pull-through, like that's an amazing place to start. Once you nail that, you still have to do all the blocking and tackling on shelf. Which is... The next part I want to get to, you have deep roots in the millennial community, you have strong social roots, you have a consumer you aimed at. How do you extend? Um, at the end of the day, it's really looking at the different channels and saying, what is the truth of the demographic that, that goes there? So when you look at online, it's going to be primarily younger. It's going to be tech-savvy people. So addressing them in ways that they understand and respond to is critical. Social media was very helpful there. Um, health and fitness, the specialty channel, as we call it, um, that was still skewing much younger. And so everything translated really well there. As we went into... Um, 
Grocery, we saw a ton of pull-through in grocery, but you have to start playing the on-shelf game with tags, call-outs, promotions, things like that. And then as we got to Walmart, it really became about mass appeal, um, finding a way to be meaningful to somebody who's never heard of your brand. And so we started going really big with end caps, with huge things that stuck out on the shelves. We have a very vibrant um, company color, so we could really get people to see it um, across the way. And, and now we're beginning to explore what does what does both the blocking and tackling look like on shelf when you're going mass? And then how do you reach that broader and broader audience without spending a fortune? And that's, you know, I don't have the silver bullet answer to that. Bring me back next year. Um, but that's what we're exploring now. You got it on that. Um, <laughs> but so you, you've got the hate you that you have to have in retail and you've got that ongoing dialogue. So even you though are having trouble saying, well, how do we get the millennials to talk to the slightly older folks? to tell them to go into the Walmart to grab it. Yeah, so we have people going into the store. The big thing that you're combating, though, is channel shift, because if we're just yep. shifting everything around, and then how do you go into Walmart without price erosion? So there's, you know, it's this incredibly complicated puzzle, and that's going to be the fun is figuring all that out. Um, but you, too, in my opinion, to go bigger with your sales, you've got to go bigger and wider with your distribution. You have to admit that there are some people that shop in a Walmart, and they're never, ever, ever going to shop in GNC, right, which is a meaningful account for us. So are you going to have to embrace traditional marketing at some point? That's, that is the question, and I think at some point you have to. I mean, if you look at the trajectory of the biggest brands in the world, they go broader and broader with their message, um, and, and they say that you get to number one through marketing and you stay there through advertising. And I think that that's, you know, once you really understand that delineation, it becomes really, really important to time that right, because I think you can get it wrong and cost yourself a fortune. Um, but if you get it right over time, you do have to start saying things like, we are the number one protein bar, right? And that became, like, we debated that to death because it was like, that doesn't feel um, like our social roots, right? To, to beat your chest, to tout yourself. But at the same time, you need social proof. And if I'm walking into a Walmart, I've never heard of your brand. I have to convince you instantly that you should be buying our product, especially because we're more expensive. So how do you do that? Social proof becomes instant number one. So if I could, Morgan Freeman would stand there in his voice and he would tell you, like, this is the bar. He's hard to scale. Uh, so you have to start doing things like saying we are the number one protein bar. How do you scale? He's everywhere. He is, but somehow not talking about Quest, which is very distressing. So I have one final question for you, um, and it goes back to cause and mission. And what's been the uptake of the product with regards to the sort of obese community, and, and how are those connections going? Massive, massive, and, and I'll, I'll bring it personal again. So uh, my sister, who uh, was clinically depressed and just very, very unhappy, uh, has lost over 120 pounds since we launched the company as just it's been this beautiful transformation of her personality to watch her gain control of that. And when I asked her, like, because look, that's my sister's transformation. She owns that. She made all the hard choices. She did all the work. That's entirely her. But when I asked her about it, she said, look, you guys were the first ones that didn't say like, hey, don't eat that. Uh, go exercise more. You said, we've done the hard work of making this thing that you want to eat taste good. And so for her, it was replacing something. So she was really into M&Ms and she just stopped eating M&Ms and started eating our cookie dough bar. And that began a virtuous cycle. And, you know, for 
those of you that have know people that struggle with their weight, it, you get into this very unhealthy cycle with food where it cheers you up, right? A bowl of ice cream will put you in a good mood. I can put you in an fMRI machine and see that, right? I can't, they, scientists can't tell the difference between a bump of cocaine and sugar from a brain perspective, like that's crazy. So that tells you what's going on. So if we can, as the food industry, do the hard work of making sure the things that give you that positive reaction are actually good for you metabolically, then we win. All right. Well, if we stay on time here, we win. So nice. thank you very much for coming, you got it. Tom. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. If this content is adding value to your life, our one ask is that you go to iTunes and Stitcher and rate and review. Not only does that help us build this community, which at the end of the day is all we care about, but it also helps us get even more amazing guests on here to share their knowledge with all of us. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this community. And until next time, be legendary, my friends.